Hey everyone, welcome to the Cutters Not the Quitters podcast. I uh, just wanted to give everybody a brief explanation on what being a cutter and not a quitter means. Um, our last name, Petrus, actually means rock cutter. And in our family, uh, we referred to ourselves as the Cutters. Uh, kind of got that from the movie, also uh, Breaking Away, which is based on the Little 500 that takes place in Bloomington every year. It's a bike race. And in the movie, the townies or the people that live in the town are, are referred to as cutters by the college students. Um, you know, that is supposed to be a, a negative name, but the, the characters in the movies actually take it to heart and kind of kind of show their perseverance. Most of their parents worked in the rock quarry. Um, our family grew up, uh, you know, blue collar, uh, mill workers. And so that really rang true. And then, you know, double in the fact that our last name, Petrus, actually means rock cutter. Um, that's kind of become our family creed. So on this podcast, uh, you can expect to hear conversations ranging from overcoming adversity and succeeding in the workplace, uh, family business, which is near and dear to our heart. Uh, we are in senior housing, so we fan plan to focus quite a bit on, on that in general. Um, we are going to spend some time talking with some families, going through the move-in situation, uh, also talking with caregivers at the community and other people that work at the community level to offer some uh, question and answer opportunities for our listeners. And we also plan to take a deep dive into um, origin and success stories with business professionals. Welcome to episode one of the Pride of Life Care podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, PLCP. PLC uh, or the Petrus podcast. Oh, the PLCP. You know the PP? Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> you know me. Yeah. Uh, I am Bobby Petrus, uh, co-founder and chief operating officer of Priority Life Care, and I have with me my sister. Sevi Petrus, CEO, co-founder, Priority Life Care. Boss lady. Boss lady. Um, ha ha. Chief nagger. Yeah. Uh, this is our first uh, podcast, so please be gentle. And if you like the content, please like and subscribe. Uh, that'll be our first and probably not only shameless plug. <laughs> Um, but and we're really hoping that more than just our family members like and subscribe. Yeah, Mom and dad are showing for yeah, sure. For sure. But uh, our goal is to bring content related to senior housing, um, not just from what we do as um, operators, but also to give you some information on maybe if you have to move a loved one into an assisted living community. We're going to talk about the differences between assisted living and skilled nursing. Um, and also, you know, we're, we plan on kind of deep diving into a day in the life of a caregiver at some point, day in the life of some of the managers at the, at the community. And then we also want to talk about um, what sets Priority Life Care apart from other operators in the space. Um, so I th we thought we'd kick off our very first and just kind of talk about our story, which is pretty unique, I think. Uh, we're a family business, as, and as, as I like to say, a reverse family business. And um, I'll turn it over to my sister because she's really good, and I'll you know, obviously interject too. But why don't you why don't you tell us about <clears throat> how you first came up with the idea, and then we'll work our way to where we're at now. Sure, I'd love to, Bobby. What a perfect <laughs> intro! I'm surprised he's actually going to let me talk. This right. is great. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the the whole idea stemmed from I was in the banking industry, and I somehow managed to move from lending from a bond perspective and not really working very closely with the actual borrowers themselves into um, direct lending to people who owned and operated a senior house. What, any type what, of what's the housing. difference between direct lending and, and bond lending? Yeah. So um, direct lending would be just like you go to a bank to get your own, you know, loan for a mortgage but bond bond lending would be that you're borrowing the credit of like a city or a state or a some type of municipality and you're utilizing that or a bank's credit and then investors are going out and they're buying the bonds. So whether it's for tax exempt reasons, some type of an investment purpose. So it wasn't very direct, the type of lending I was doing prior to. 
And this really kind of brought it more into me operating, working directly with understanding who those operators were, what they were doing, and and individually looking at the communities that were up and running. Cool. And, and also, too, for those of you who don't know, there are just banks that really just focus on senior housing lending. And that's something I had no idea of until that I got into the business. And those are the things that we'll tackle um, kind of through the podcast, some of the nuances of senior housing that seem to only exist sometimes in our space. Mm-hmm. So you get through, um, you're a banker, you know, you're starting to lend in, you know, you move into the kind of the senior housing part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you come up with an idea. Yeah. So our mom actually at the time, um, who had had an entire career in healthcare in one shape or another, um, wound up as an administrator at an assisted living community in Weirton, West Virginia. And, I remember literally sitting there looking at skilled nursing balance sheets and talking about like what they were doing and talking to mom and she was doing private pay assisted living. And I was looking at doing lending at skilled nursing and saying, Hey, you know, this is an interesting type of field to be in because you know, the state is guaranteeing the payments and mom's like, no, 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 no. This is much better in the private pay world. So as I'm navigating through the senior housing. This is like in the you know early 2000s. I'm living in Chicago. Um, I'm living my best life. I'm single. I got a condo downtown Chicago. It's super fun. Um, doing all these crazy great, triathlons. Great older sister to have. Right, Real right. Life. And I'm doing all these crazy. I got into triathlons because I worked so much, and I ended up getting into Ironman. So as that's happening, the working out, not like actual. Ironman. Cor- right? Correct. Yeah. 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 The actual Ironman comp- the, triathlon competition. The um, swim, run, bike. Yes. Long not in that order. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. So as this happens, the financial markets collapse and the bill, the, the bank I'm working for is getting sold. And so nothing's happening. No lending's going on. So I have an awful lot of free time. Really, everybody in our industry kind of did. And while I'm home training for these Ironmen, I'm sitting there listening to mom come home every day and tell me that her residents had to move out because they ran out of money. And I'm like, what are you talking about, mom? Like all these states have all these Medicaid dollars, like you run out of money. And my mom is like, you know, well, Severin. Our mom. Yeah, our mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Severin. I know I'm in trouble when I get called Severin. And, um, She's like, well, Severin, not every state has these programs. So these people have to either go into skilled nursing, which uh, we'll, I'll talk a little bit about why that's not the best option, um, go into skilled nursing, or they have to go home with a family member and figure out how to, to care for them. And in skilled nursing, unlike in assisted living, assisted living is a community-based um, option that they have their own apartments, they're surrounded by their own things, and they have what are called residence rights. And the residence rights are much more robust in an assisted living than they are in a skilled. So and to give everybody a maybe an idea of, you know, typically when you go into a skilled nursing facility, you have some sort of qualifying event. So you could either, you know, um, fall and break your hip, you go get surgery, you have a hospital stay, the hospital will then discharge you to, to a nursing home. Um, you, you may have a stroke, um, so, something that, um, it's short, it should be short term. Yeah, it's for therapy. Correct, it's because right. you need therapy to, to get, make it, it back into and you're your not home. able to go home. And then assisted living is very different. And I, cause I think, you know, a lot of people, when they think of any sort of senior housing, they automatically go to that nursing, you know, home. nursing home where the white walls and the mm-hmm. white tiles, um, but assisted living, you could actually choose to go into um, as you start to need some help. There's also independent options that give you a little bit more flexibility. Um, but just to you know, give the listeners a little bit of a background on, on what each is. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, the, you know, there's got to be some programming for these for these guys to be able to stay in their home because that's what it becomes. It's an apartment like setting that is surrounded by their own things. And what what really kind of came to light during this time while, you know, we were trying to figure out what's going on in the, the banking world is that there were not a lot of other options for people who didn't have um, a lot of private pay dollars. So what do we mean when we're saying private pay? So private pay means just like you would pay for your mortgage or rent for an apartment. It's just out of your own whatever you can if afford. If you really think about it, it's what you spend every month in food. Um, your living expenses, um, which would be your mortgage, um, utilities, transportation, kind of all rolled into one insurance. Yeah. All of those. Yeah. And, you know, and in, in the assisted living situation, oftentimes, 
you know, you're using whatever you saved for retirement um, or if you bought long term care insurance and then uh, either, you know, a family member, which could be um, it it could be a sibling or it could be a, a child is helping also pay. In many cases. And a lot of times, particularly this generation, they own their house outright or they had a very, very small mortgage. So they would sell their home and that would fund the majority of what they needed for their retirement. If the, Or they had a small pension or, or whatever. they did reverse security. mortgages too, which we saw a lot, um, you know, in the early 2000s. And then that also helped lead to, you know, part of the collapse. Correct. So, so what I saw was what I consider like the perfect tsunami of what was happening because one, either the adult children or some one of the adult children who would typically kick in maybe had lost their job. Their 401k went nowhere. It was gone. Um, their adult children in some cases got out of college and couldn't find a job. Um, the different types of tax dollars that people were looking for because real estate values had dropped so significantly, they weren't going to be there to help fund the Medicaid needs that were coming up. And then people weren't even able to sell their home. And if they were selling it, they were selling at a significant discount. Yeah. So I, I saw that there was going to be this growing need of what we like. I like to refer to as the forgotten middle. And those people who were either uneligible for Medicaid and not able to afford the the private pay money because another issue that was coming up is that people were living significantly longer than their retirement dollars had prepared them for. Yeah. And then on top of that, we also had the generation coming up where they were sicker and living longer. So and and hadn't planned for their retirement. So while listening to mom come home every day and you know really upset about it. So you know, not only are the families stuck in in a in a quandrum, but the caregivers and the people who have formed these relationships with them were also stuck in an issue. Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to, you know, kick Mrs. Smith out because she's run out of money, but we don't have a program in place and there's nowhere else for them to really go other than a nursing home. completely exhausting every single yeah. one of their funds and then going into a nursing home where they have a hospital bed. They don't have their bed. They're going to share a room. They're in mostly share a room, sometimes share a bathroom. And, you know, and, and, it, and there's nothing wrong with having a companion, you know, and having a suite where you have a roommate. In some instances, I think that is a really wonderful option for people who don't really like to be maybe They've always lived with somebody and maybe their spouse is passed on or they've had they're used to having a, a family, you know, a household family. But it also is still, you know, was still typical for that generation, even married, to have separate bedrooms. Yes. So, and, and I know we've run across that quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, in the 10 years that we've been doing this. So, the, so really the, the, the interest in figuring out a solution for this kind of forgotten middle is really where that stemmed from, from watching mom's own disparity coming home, working in a community and having to have those conversations with people because they didn't have the funds to remain there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're, you know, you, you moved home after mm-hmm. the, uh, um, the, the buyout that you got with the bank that you're working at. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana in the cell phone business and you and I have always had a very close relationship, but we have an open dialogue now. Um, as you're like, you know, telling me about senior housing and I'm, I'm working and I'm, you know, trying to do some research to see what that's about. But also in that time you started a restaurant. Yeah, I did with Joe. Yeah, record. Yeah, our first, brand manager yeah, and yeah. our very first employee. <laughs> yeah, which I thought, um, which I I think lend itself well now, um, because it was kind of a trial. It was your first business, mm-hmm. um, and I think you were able to learn a lot about people mm-hmm. and things to do, things not to do, and um, I remember um when I was excited to come home, you know, I was in our hometown and eat there, but I was also excited that I wasn't involved in it because, <laughs> you know, I listen to mom and dad and, and oh, you yeah. talk about and um in uh it, it it was a, a very interesting thing. But I think that those are types of experience, like working in the hospitality industry, um, which I've also done, that you really do learn how people want to be treated. Oh yeah. Right? I think like one of the best, you know, so we so we came up with this idea. And and said, oh, my goodness, this is a woefully underserved market. But in the meantime, this opportunity kind of came up to start to start this restaurant and bar, which it was a very great practice in understanding that you there. It's very difficult to please everybody. Yeah. And um, the same exact dish sent to two different people is undercooked or 
not the Could right color been. or yeah. yeah. And it looks exactly the same. So it was a, and it was also a really great opportunity, um, for firsthand working with friends and family. Yeah, for sure. Right. That mm-hmm. really some interesting stories that we probably won't repeat on. <laughs> um, well, my favorite one was though at the bar, whenever it was last call and closing time, and, you know, you're not allowed to have people drink after yeah. a certain hour. And whenever the bouncers would go around or somebody would come up and say, hey, I got to take that drink. They'd be like, no, 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 it's OK. I know seven. Yeah. <laughs> and all of the bouncers and everyone that worked there wanted to wear a shirt that said, I don't care if you know seven. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody um, knows yeah. seven. I think that I think people still say that now. I think they do. Um, OK, so, you know, the restaurant is there and, you know, and now from my perspective, you know, we come home for Thanksgiving. This is before my wife and I, who have four kids now, Sevi has one kid, before we had kids. Um, we come home for Thanksgiving and we have a tradition, I think, maybe of drinking more wine than eating more turkey. <laughs> and um, as we're in mom and dad's, um, uh, you know, dining room and we're drinking some wine, you kind of pop up with this easel with this business plan that you and I've kind of been talking about a little bit. Um, but from my perspective, the way I remember it, there was an organizational chart on it. That is correct. With you at the top, of course. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I think I was like somewhere sidebarred in there mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you're like, Hey, I've got this great idea. You know, we're going to go into assisted living and we're going to form this assisted living management company. And I think I've got the perfect team. And so Sevi goes around selling everybody in the room. Um, you know, my mom was an administrator. My wife was a social worker. I was in sales and did management. <clears throat> Sevi was the banker. One of our other friends was a nurse. Um, and the real first plan that we don't talk about a whole lot was that we're actually all going to work and run one building, mm-hmm. which was an old school building in Toronto, uh, Ohio, called Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And that our mom had gone to school at. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we all agreed, I think, drinking wine, cheersing that day. And, um, you know, a little hungover, you know, two days later, my wife and I are driving back to Indiana. It's about a five hour drive, sobered up. And, you know, my wife says, we're not really going to quit our jobs, are we? And I was like, no, we're not going to quit our jobs. But I will say that you did kind of plant that that bug in our ear and it became this dialogue. And I remember saying to Brandy, um, you know, Sebi's a classic overachiever and, um, you know, right through college, you know, got and then got her master's degree. And then you, you really did. You got a, a good job kind of right out of college and kind of worked your way up I mean, from hard work. Um, but I she actually said to me, she's like, you know what? Your sister's really smart. She's always been successful. Like she, she obviously knows that this could be worth it. I think we should really think about it. Um, <clears throat> so we kind of started talking, you know, and, and then, uh, I got fired. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I got fired. So it, it made it a lot easier. Um, and a lot of free time on my hand and, uh, about, um, I don't know, two or three months after I got fired, you know, we found out Brandy's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and I remember, cause we don't get to talk about like the in-between part a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember I was kind of freaking out because, you know, I'm going to be a dad. I have no income. Um, <laughs> you know, you were paying me a little bit like cash, like every week, mm-hmm. um, like just to kind of, so I could keep kind of like learning assisted living and, and you know, run the stuff. And I remember I, I took a job like with what I knew, I went back in the cell phone business mm-hmm. And I was doing it for I don't know, a couple of weeks. And I remember um, the people that owned it were not real high moral character. And I had been trained by this one manager. Now, I had a ton of experience. I really knew you know, what I was doing. But um, the only job they had was a sales rep. So I was there for like two or three weeks. This manager comes in and does training. And then the owners come in that day after he had finished training and said, hey, we're going to fire what was called Mike we're going to fire Mike and you're going to take over. And I was like, okay. And I remember I called you and I was just kind of telling you like, Hey, I think I'm going to, you know, take this job and go back into management. And you kind of gave me one of those like dad speeches. And you're like, look, you're either on the bus or you're off, but I'm driving the bus. Like I'm doing this. And if you want to be involved, like you can't work, like you can't take this job. And so I quit. And honestly, if I didn't quit that, we're not doing this and mm-hmm. you probably, and, and you know, and I think you probably had a couple instances where you thought about going back to banking. Like I know you had got some offers like go out to California, mm-hmm. but 
those are like, you know, if anybody's listening, that's thinking about starting a business. Um, th- there's going to be a couple of those moments where you really doubt, like, cause we had been doing that for probably six or seven months in this, in the stuff with Lincoln school had kind of like come to a halt mm-hmm. because they had to, um, there's a reverter clause. The guy that donated the land was Michael Myers. Not, in the 1800s. Not the same guy from Halloween, but maybe he, he, he might've been, he, he lived to be like 118 years he old. He donated the land to the city in the 1800s. Yeah. And, but there was a reverter clause that said, if you ever sell it, it has to be offered to my next of kin, whoever that would be which I think it ended up being a guy in Florida. There were like a bunch of people, there were like 21 people on it or something. And the only one person that they could find that was like still alive was this one guy in Florida. Who also didn't want it, if I remember. But it it took almost a year. Mm -hmm. So in between that time, you know, we're kind of going back to, you're going back to someone that you had lent to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was more than once. No. So it's interesting. So I did what I know how to do. And that is reach out to people on my unpaid board. And, (laughs) (laughs) and I just reached out to people that I knew that had been successful. And those were people that I'd lent to, you know, or who were, had been clients of the former bank that I, that I had worked with. And I just tried to get as much information as possible. But in, in the, in the meantime, you know, what I was doing, you know, back to people who want to start this on their own, whether it's in, you know, the senior housing industry or their own business, you know, I looked at myself and I said, I'm single. I have, um, an okay amount like saved up because I had a pretty good job prior to, and I basically rented out my condo, um, the best that I could, you know, so that I could minimize my outgoing expenses, knowing that I had a limited amount of income for however long it was going to take me to get it up and started. And I remember I had like my childhood desk in my one bedroom condo and I had index cards up on front of the desk, like ideas of the name, like how to get this started. And and so the, the, the way that what the what the map of us making this business looked like from the beginning is very different from what ended up actually happening. Yeah, for sure. And that's probably the most important thing to remember when you're starting something that it, it, you have to start with some type of a framework and you have to have something that's driving you to get up every day to, to do it and to bring your vision to life. But it doesn't always end up what it was you started with. And it, it, in, in looking at and talking to people that are already doing it and getting their free advice is the best way that you can like navigate through starting your thing. And, and that's what I did. So I went to a couple different people that I had lent to that I knew were doing this already. And the very first partner that we had did not pan out at all. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was a construction guy. Yeah. And we bought a piece of land and, and actually a closed down personal care home in West Virginia. Yep. And um, Honey was going to be our cook. Yep. And it was a hot mess. Honey's our, honey was our grandmother. She Mom's was. Mom. She's the best. Yeah, she's great. And... Um, yeah. And in the meantime, I had the other iron in the fire was starting the restaurant and, you know, in, in the bar and closed up on finally ended up closing on the school and looking at getting different types of loans. I mean, that thing took a long time. Yeah. A lot of business plans put together. A lot of bankers looked at that for us, too. Tim Sanders looked at it. I mean, we Melissa Hilton looked hey, at it. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of people looked at it. I, for I us. would say, you know, things have worked out, but I think we'd probably both agree that like, that was like our biggest disappointment that we weren't able to. Oh gosh. Do that, well, you know, the, the newspaper was all over it. The news yeah. were on it. I mean, I can't friends, family, friends, yeah. family that really wanted to work. There. And, and you know, and there's a huge, there's still a big need yeah. in that community for, for that. And unfortunately we just couldn't make that particular I mean, we project even looked work. At, um, building one mm-hmm. uh, at the old softball field. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it's tough. I think, you know, when you grow up in a small town, you always want to do well by the small town. And, um, you know, I'm proud that we still have an, we have an office there mm-hmm. and corporate soul is there. Um, but you know, so as we're going through that, you know, we, we actually start looking at other properties. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember myself like going to, and by the way, when I got fired, <laughs> I got fired, my lease was up on my car. <laughs> so the guy that fired me actually had to drive me home. <laughs> And, um, there's no lie. Like, and so 
you know, obviously I couldn't afford to get another car. Mm-hmm. And so mom and dad gave me their uh, purple Honda Civic, that oh, had like 200,000 right. miles. That's on, right. You know? That's right. Um, thank God I have such a supportive wife, you know, and again, I, I think I mentioned my wife was a social worker, so we had nothing really. Um, but, you know, so we're, and I'm really, you know, we're trying to like get this business or we're going through ideas. We're obviously trying to limit our costs for everything. And so, you know, I'm driving on a, on a no string budget, not even a shoestring budget. I remember going, looking at some, um, hotels in like Dayton mm-hmm. and then over to like Columbus and Aurora. Yeah. And well, and then we finally find the one in Aurora, mm-hmm. Ohio, which is, um, if any of our older Ohio listeners are, li- are, are listening, um, is w- the former Geauga Lake mm-hmm. Holodome, mm-hmm. which would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. And we find this, we have this great plan because w- I don't know, I don't know how we got started on the, like we were like dead set on converting something. I think it's because our, our then partner, he had a building in Illinois that was a converted hotel. Yeah, it was an it was a converted hotel, and it was an all Medicaid building mm-hmm. with a program that the state of Illinois has called SLIF, which yeah. is supportive living. Yeah, and that one was converted. So I think his idea when I when I took the statistics over to him and the other people that were on my unpaid board, um, he liked the idea of being able because the market had collapsed, you could get yeah. these these old hotels that had lost their flagship because in order to be able to provide assisted living, you have to be able to have a full kitchen. So the kitchen is the most expensive. So if you're looking at apartment buildings, you know, probably the hallways may not be big enough. You need to make sure that there's a bathroom in all of them so that they have full showers. And these hotels had big, lots of common space and massive kitchens. The one in Aurora was just beautiful. It was so nice. This huge, interior with a big dome so you kind of got outdoor living almost the whole year it had a pool it had putt putt i think it was only two floors too wasn't it yeah it was it was mostly it was it was i mean the plans that we had for it we were having a big theater room all this common space and it was i think it was like over like 200 units it was huge it was was probably it was probably too big yeah but um you know and it was right down the street from a nursing home and a A really nice little catholic mm -hmm. one you know, and, you know, so I remember, um, and, and again, now those of you listening, we don't know what we're doing yet. <laughs> so like, we've got these ideas, you know, we're writing up business plans. Uh, the numbers look great, mm-hmm. you know, but we really don't know. And really at that point, it's just me and you, mm-hmm. like, we're just like trying to figure it out. Yeah. Cause mom was still working, but mom was helping us along yeah. the way. And obviously we're also like, you know, we've already got the equity lined up with a partner who already is operating. Yeah. yeah. So he, he does know and, and, and he does know. We had know. spent, some, I had spent some time in Kankakee like a couple of mm-hmm. days, like kind of learning, you know, what they did. I'd spent some time in their back office. And I guess we should say too, you know, I kind of forgot this, but when the article came out in the paper, mom got fired. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they viewed that as um, a direct conflict. Yeah. Yeah, they did. So, you know, so we love this building. We've got this great plan. Yeah, so now I have two people in my family on my team who now have no income. Yeah, and uh, so and we're but we feel really confident. Like, in 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 the two B partner at the time was like, don't worry about it. Like, we're gonna get this up and running, and then we'll get people on the payroll and we'll be fine. So I, I did feel you know pretty comfortable with that. But in the meantime, the city starts getting really weird about what we want to do with the hotel because we had to have a change of zoning. Yeah. And so we then we get this really strange request to present our business plan at a, a city council meeting. And I was like me and you, uh, our partner. Um, no, I, I think. Yeah, I think he was there. And then the architect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go there and we present. I thought it was great. And everybody actually thought it was great. The I had a lot of concern about giving we away did. our secret sauce. We, we did. Um, and then, because no one was doing it. Nobody was doing No one was actually focusing on doing affordable senior housing. In fact, anybody we brought it up to, they kind of looked at us like we were crazy. I got patted on the head a couple times yeah. at Nick. But um, the only people that had any sort of say, and they said anything, and we weren't allowed to respond, if you remember, mm-hmm. um, they thought it was a bad idea because it was going to be Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be like a, a, a black eye in mm-hmm. the community. But there was a nursing home right down the street <laughs> that accepted Medicaid. Right. And so um, soon after that, it wasn't very long after that, you know, we had met with the mayor a couple of times and he was all for it. Um, but soon after that, 
it was denied. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I, I, I know, I remember at that point I was like really scared. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we were kind of like, I think you were basically out of your savings. I was out of my savings, you know, now my- I remember. So right when that happened, right around that time that happened, I got a check for my 401k that um, I had had while as a banker, it was for $12,000. And I got that check and it was just enough to basically continue to help pay you and <laughs> and help me until we got to this next part you're talking about. Yeah, and I remember, um, I think it was Jake Gale. I'm almost Ben bought, Jake Gale and Ben, ben Firestone. Firestone like called and said, hey, I've got this building. And it was like, and it really was like- It was the next county over, it, but 10 miles yeah, away. Yeah, and we were both- there, like mm-hmm. we were both at the the hotel, and we and we drove up there, and we were like, we're gonna go secret shopping. Yeah, and and and, and you know, long story short, you know, it ended up being a great find for us in our in our first community, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, we go there, and it was a hotel, but it had been converted to independent living in the nineties or yeah, something like and you know, I'd been a whole year like figuring mm-hmm. out how we could convert. Um, I basically was like a almost an architect at that point. I mean, I knew exactly what we needed to do to it and can kind of line that out. Um, we've got, um, you know, our team in place. We know what we can do with the building. Um, and I think then we make an offer um, or, you know, our mm-hmm. soon to be partner makes an offer. And I think it got accepted pretty, pretty quick. quick. Like, I don't think there was a whole lot of, yeah. I want to um, say that was in the fall. That was probably like sometime in the fall. The, the offer got accepted and we closed. I'll never forget because I, I remember saying to our partner, I said, hey, I need to get these guys on the payroll so I have them ready and they're already they got it. They're doing this and they're doing that. And I completely remember being at your house in Fort Wayne. Yep. It was like it was like a couple of days before Bella was born. By it was in December. And I remember yep. and, and I remember you got your first check and so did mom. Yep. Yeah, I remember that because it was. I want to say it was like one or two days before we went to the hospital because we had like a scheduled yep. birth with her, and um, obviously happiest time of my life. You know, I had my first kid, but that was huge, and I, I'll never forget that. Um, and that was the first time that I felt like what we were doing like had some validity. Mm-hmm. You know, like something you could tangibly touch. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, in <laughs> so after that. Um, you know, we have the baby and we knew we had to help in Maple Heights. And so we put our house on the market. Well, mm-hmm. well you know, mine was like way underwater and um, we moved in with my in-laws mm-hmm. and that was the, um, the beginning of, um, of our start. Mm-hmm. So we have our first community in Maple Heights, Ohio. 2010, January 1st. Yep. And we all know that it's going to be a lot of hands on work. And so, you know, Brandy and I moved back to Ohio with our in-laws. You're already living with mom and dad. And so is Jill. And Jill. And um, and we know that our whole job is just to get this place because we have to we have to convert it from an existing, you know, it used to be a hotel. Now it's independent living to uh, license assisted, which required a sprinkler system uh, we had to do ten percent of the rooms had to be ADA compliant, um, and then just on top of that, it just needed like new floor and paint, mm-hmm. and, you know, lighting in, in the appropriate um, furniture for mm-hmm. you know the senior housing. And I have to say, and it was like our, our first, but I was really proud to be able to use somebody from back home. Yeah, Joe Lucchino, awesome. that mm-hmm. was cool. I, I don't think um, I think we I think it was like his first big like real commercial job. I think he was building like a. A couple things back home too. He was in the process of it. Like yeah, residential, some residential yeah, stuff. Yeah. But and now he's like the. Uh, I mean, he's huge. Like you go back and look. Oh at, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so cool. Um, it was a lot of fun. But uh, so we we decided from day one that mom was going to be the administrator, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, our role is kind of do any and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, help with construction. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandy was coming up helping. You know, because she had just had Bella. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd even bring Bella up. Mm -hmm. Um, She would do some of the sales piece. Uh, She'd do activities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, what was the... And Jill kind of did all that too. Yeah. Uh, What was the name? Remember our activities director? No, she was a volunteer. She's the hottest game in town. Yeah, she'd get over the PA system. I love that. Come on down to bingo. It's the hottest game in town. Uh I remember uh, our first day 
And again, you know, we're, we're in this, like we have no clue what we're doing. Um, but, but we knew that we wanted to help people mm-hmm. and, um, there's maybe 10 or 15 people that lived in the, in the community and most of them, you know, worked there so they could live there, you know, mm-hmm. for free. And we didn't kick any of them out. Like nope. we, we thought, you know, that wouldn't be the right thing to do. And the first day we had a mother and a son that lived mm-hmm. in the community and, um, the son, I think, was in like a car accident or something. His younger so he had a traumatic brain injury. Yep. And he comes up to me and says that he needs deodorant mm-hmm. and soap. Mm-hmm. And he was very convincing that he needed it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, oh, all right, I'll go get him. I guess that's what you do, you know. Mm-hmm. So I remember I went. There's a Walmart cross street. I drove cross street. I got like a couple things of deodorant, a couple things of soap because I didn't know which one he wanted. Mm-hmm. And I come back, give it to me. Thank me. He was very nice. And then I remember um, the the dining service director came up. He's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I said, well, he, he said he needed deodorant and soap. He's just laughing. He's like shaking. He says, man, he asks everybody for deodorant and soap. He's like, he's got 50 things of deodorant in his mm-hmm. room and 100 things of soap. <laughs> so, man, he got me, you know. Yep. But um, we also had, I mean, it, we could go on and on. We could do a whole episode probably just oh my like goodness. that. Just of the residents that were at that community. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was interesting. But I, I think um, for me, it really answered the question that there was this huge need for what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And when we first started talking with the people in the community and the state, they almost didn't believe us because mm-hmm. we wanted this whole building was going to be um, in Ohio it, at the time. It was called the um, the Medicaid waiver and mm-hmm. where uh, the basis of the program is the resident would pay a private pay portion um, of at that time somewhere between like 600 and 650 dollars it was a portion of their social security most of it came from that i think they got 50 dollars back yeah and um and then the state paid for a daily level of care Mm -hmm. um and you know give you give the listeners an idea uh, in that model the absolute most you would get in one month uh, that you would collect would maybe be about 2800 dollars And the average assisted living private pay 10 years ago uh, was starting at about Mm -hmm. $4,500. So it was quite a bit lower. It might even have been a little higher. And so, um, you know, when we would tell these agencies and and, and some local places that this is all we wanted to do, they really didn't believe us because at the time, nobody was doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were dead set on it. And then we saw that there's this huge need just based on the the amount of people that live there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we... Got a little um, um, baptism by fire, if you will, um, just kind of learning uh, how how things work. And, you know, and also, too, I mean, I think it was our first um, time where we learned that the state agencies were really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to get an answer out of somebody uh, was tough because, you know, uh, senior housing is just such a small piece of what the Board of Health does in your state. And they don't know. And a lot of times we were helping them. Well, I think interpret. too, what made it interesting in in Ohio ten years ago was that this program was relatively new. Yeah. Um, everywhere you talked, people would say, "Oh no, that program shut down," or "They're full." Like they, they nobody really understood how how to do it or bill for it. I think it's now managed care in Ohio, yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's even it's even more it's even more different. Um, but the other thing I think that was confusing to everybody was that one, we didn't want to just use like have five rooms dedicated to it. We wanted to build the entire 99. program for it. Oh, yeah. 99. So the state was really confused. Yeah. I mean, in Ohio was one and then Indiana obviously was, was a whole, a whole nother, yeah. but that made that project even more difficult. We were the first in the state of Ohio to get a license simultaneously an assisted living license because part of the other you know, if you remember, part of the other um, issue was that of the like 10 or 15 people that lived in the community, I don't remember exactly how many, I want to say there was about 19. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them lived there and actually did need care and they were getting um, home care services through the waiver. Yep. And the problem was in the event that they lived in, an, in a licensed assisted living, they were no longer eligible to receive the Medicaid right. home care. Yep. So we had to, in order for those people to not lose their services and to go directly from assisted living or from in-home care 
to assisted living care, we had to simultaneously get licensed for the yep. waiver and the assisted living license. Yeah. So it was the first time that that had ever been done in the state of Ohio as well. Yeah. And, uh, and so as you know, all this is going on, um, we started looking at other places. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, so we're, I'm still living back in Ohio. And, um, uh, I remember I had to go back to Fort Wayne for something with my house. And I remember, um, our, our, the, the majority owner of, you know, your, mm-hmm. your partner at the time had called me and said, Hey, there's a, there's a hotel in downtown Fort Wayne that's in like bank receivership. I want you to go look at it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I know it. I said, there's really nothing in downtown Fort Wayne. So I said, I'll go check it out. But I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't think it's going to be worth it. And, um, and little did I know, you know, I would, I would go check out this building and actually the guy that, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the broker. I think his name was Sam. Mm-hmm. And cause he used to call us like all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I met him and immediately I'm like, and I went into it like really negative, like this is not going to work. And you know, that's like normally the opposite of what I do. I'm mm-hmm. probably overly optimistic, but, uh, I walk in, I'm like, it had everything that you and I'd ever talked about. Mm-hmm. Like it had actually it had two kitchens, but it had a ballroom. It, it had kitchens. a ballroom because at the t- I yeah. mean, in the sixties when this thing was built, it was the only thing downtown. It's where everybody got married. I mean, our controller spent his honeymoon night there. Multiple people I know, mm-hmm. um, and you know, had this huge ballroom, had this awesome pool, had these other um, common space areas, and then it had like two hundred eight rooms, which is way bigger than we had really wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and as luck would have it, um, we won the bid mm-hmm. and you know, that was, I would say to this day, our biggest project, right? Like we, oh yeah, 14 stories, operating hotel, pool inside, two kitchens, a complete basement. Yeah. Yeah. Like closed it as a hotel on like Friday and like reopened it on like say Monday with, with skeleton office staff just like trying to start the construction process and as we're in there um you know people who had booked hotel rooms are showing up like i in droves i'm talking like 20 30 people are well, coming they had to check booked in them too on like travel Austin, yeah like right? expedia so they, and stuff so like they couldn't like get a refund but luckily the hilton downtown we had called them and said hey mm-hmm. the, this was what happened and they would let these people stay for free if they would show That's really that nice. they booked the room because they'd already paid for it yeah um, somebody had a wedding booked. Yep. Someone had a wedding booked. Um, you know, like the rotary club was still coming and, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting, you know, and, and so we had to then hire a code specialist because we had to then get the building relicensed and, um, but you know, long story short, you know, we were able to do the same thing, right? Like we were able to get it licensed. It took longer than we had expected, that also, too, was the first time the state of Indiana had licensed a non-purpose-built building yeah. for assisted living. It was tough. I remember when we had submitted the plans, it got rejected, and the letter said, why would you build a building for senior housing today that's 14 stories and has blah, 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 all this stuff? And when we called the guy and said, hey, it's an existing hotel, he was like, oh, okay. I was really mm-hmm. trying to figure out why you would build it. So um, as... This is kind of going, we pick up another community. Purpose built. In Dayton, Ohio. From, yeah. at the time, the largest. Um, that was also um, Ben Firestone and Jake Gale. Yeah. Blueprint. A little yep. plug there. They'll yeah. probably sponsor one episode. Yeah, of the absolutely. Podcast, absolutely. Right? Um, you know, so we now, you know, now we're in Cleveland, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then Miamisburg, which is right outside of Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And that was really, um, that was the first one that we took over where there's like existing staff mm-hmm. and people that had been in the business longer than we'd been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can remember kind of trying to like, for lack of a better term, like bullcrap my way into, mm-hmm. you know, getting these people to buy into uh, like but what we're telling them. But I think, you know, even at that point, so that was midway through the first year of us operating and um, and I remember when when Ben called Ben Firestone called us about it. So that was before Blueprint. They were Marcus. They were Marcus, Marcus and Milchap. Milchap. Yep. I would love to have those guys on and tell yeah. their story yeah. about how they because they kind of restarted their platform right around when yep. we did. Um, 
So I remember when he called and originally they wanted too much money for it. Yeah. And then it kind of came back around. But so but I think what was interesting is what everybody bought into is they had worked for a larger corporate structure Mm -hmm. um, that had gone through a lot of iterations. And we came in more mom and pops. And I think that people had been there a long time. Um, They had a really strong management team. But. Unfortunately, because the building had been older, it kind of lost the footprint of what the larger company, which is an amazing company, um, was looking to do. And we saw the potential for this middle market, this forgotten middle. We we saw this opportunity there for this forgotten middle. And where I think it was different than up in Cleveland was that the area on aging there was like so excited that Mm -hmm. we were willing to bring these people in, yeah, and that they said there was such a there was such a need and a demand. Now that community, um, you know, didn't we didn't take a hundred percent there that it need to, yeah. But I also think that that was probably our first entrance into doing finding a way to do private pay at yeah. an affordable level as well, for sure. And, and I, that building stayed full. I mean, there's there's just such a need. Yeah, and you know the the staff there was just awesome. Yeah, yeah, they were great. I learned so much from Debbie Schott, who is the administrator of the year in the state of Ohio. Yep. Um, I learned so much from her. Mm-hmm. It was exciting to get to work with her. Um, and she was really great because she did tell you what she thought. And she wasn't afraid to tell us. Like some of our ideas we thought were really great. She's like, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And I really respected her for that. I mm-hmm. thought that was great. And I think that was probably to the first non-family member other than Jill that like really bought into what we were yeah. trying to do. Yeah. And she was reluctant at first. Like she would be she the was. first to tell you that, hey, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't see that there was there. But then once she obviously like was around us enough and understood that, while well, we may have been a little green. Yeah you know, what our intentions were, were, were true and honorable. I don't know if you remember, but we went there together so you could basically talk her into Staying. like really buying in. Cause yeah. she was, well, she didn't want to do the waiver. Yeah. Um, and some of the other changes that we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were kind of like, let's try it my way. And if it doesn't work, then we'll do it your way. And she bought in and, and honestly that building thrived And um, gosh, man, just so many great stories from residents mm-hmm. and families and, uh, we spent a lot of time there. A lot of time. A lot of time. I, I have a picture of me holding Bella, giving her a bottle. Remember down in the basement was where mm-hmm. they had that training area. Yep. And I was sitting in that back. There was a little like office and I was sitting back there and I'll never forget. It was the day we closed. I have the picture. We'll post it um, of me holding Bella and giving her like a bottle. And t- I think I took a selfie. Yeah, that's awesome. Of us down there. That's and cool. that was like the day that we closed and we were doing a lot of training. And, uh, you know, at some point in between there, too, then we pick up a building in Richmond, Indiana, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Leland, which was an old hotel. And a funny story, a friend of mine, uh, Jim Rippinger, a friend of mm-hmm. ours, um, I met him at the Link Conference in Chicago. This is the first time I ever met him. And he had read our kind of background and was like, hey, you know, I read that you guys have like turned some hotels into assisted livings and they're trying to do really well. It's like there's an there's an old hotel in my hometown that I think would be awesome. It's in Richmond, Indiana. It's called the Leland. And I said, we just bought that last week. <laughs> and he was like, you're kidding me. He started telling me the stories because there's like a bowling alley. And he had worked there um, when it closed as a hotel. He worked for the company that was liquidating the stuff. So he was like moving furniture. I mean, he's a you know, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we went, you and I went down there you know, a lot. And we just fell in love with Richmond. So much mm-hmm. so that you actually moved I there did. temporarily. I did. Right? I was the administrator there before it was licensed. Yeah, because yeah. that, that was re- that was really hard to get licensed. I, like harder than uh, Fort Wayne because, you know, the, it was a historically protected building. And we, we actually ended up winning the argument that everything was in place that needed to be. Because if you remember, we didn't actually have to like physically do anything mm-hmm. to the building. Um, but it took like. I want to say like close to two years. It did, yeah. It took longer than and Fort Wayne took a long time. Yeah, I'd love to go down there and see it now because the know. people that own it, I know they like redid the other rooms, like the other building that was kind of attached oh, to it. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I think um, you know, I think they just did a um, oh gosh, uh, John Mellencamp mural in Richmond. Oh, really? And he came back and signed he's it. He's from Richmond. Indiana? He's from, um, I think he's from close to Richmond. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, but I just I love that little town. Yeah, I'm so friends with Amanda. I know. Um, me so too. I always I like you know. Her. Yeah, and I'm so glad that she got that recognition from the Indiana yeah. State Association for she's assisted awesome. living. She's amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. So many great people we've met I know. You know, along the way, but. You know, Richmond also has an awesome toy store, Beaches. Oh, yeah. And then that restaurant, too. We yeah. love that restaurant. And the yeah. chocolates. Oh, just lane. Just yeah, lane. it's great. So, so um, just kind of catching everybody up. You know, this is 2010. Or remember, we kind of like are just kind of figuring out what we're doing. And we all of a sudden have um, three, four, three buildings. Cleveland. Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. Richmond. Dayton. Four, four buildings. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say like in 2011, we really hit stride, like mm-hmm. felt really comfortable. Um, you know, I had really started to learn how the operations piece work. Brandy had really started getting into her own um, on the sales and marketing side. Um, Mom was still, um, you know, the administrator mm-hmm. in Big Heights, but also kind of starting to help us in some other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we like really, you and I kind of went everywhere at once and, you know, we just kind of had a mobile office and would drive Mm -hmm. i'd move back to fort wayne Mm -hmm. become you know at some point became the administrator of the fort wayne building um got my license there but i thought you know if i when i look back at like in our first two years you know we're trying to piece the timeline together it's just a blur Mm -hmm. and i think for anybody that starts a business um it, it probably is a similar story you know i think sometimes we pinch ourselves from like wow we've been doing this for over 10 years I know it's crazy. I, you know, and it's funny too because I would love to have to interview like Brandy on her viewpoint of it. Jill, mom, um, hell, even dad. To be honest with you, no, I don't know about that. One. <laughs> but I mean, you know, everybody was such an like like an intricate part of our success in in getting us to it that I, I would love to hear their their story their their story of it. Yeah. Um. Well, I think at the end of this, I think we should start talking about kind of our wish list of people we'd like to have. Okay, okay. that's a great idea. Um, but just to kind of get everybody up. So we've got the four. And then I think our fifth community was the Canton property. Mm-mm. No, I think um, we sold Dayton before that. Because that's when we brought Debbie Shot on as a regional. Yeah. I'd have to go back and check the timeline. Yeah, I can't remember. I know at some point we added. Then we added West Dallas. That was Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And we added Peoria. We added West Dallas and Peoria after Dayton was sold. After Dayton. We did have Canton. Because we had Canton for quite some time. Okay, okay. We had it for a while. Because, you know, it was was a lease from another Mm -hmm. family. um, And, you know, part of it was a nursing home. And wow, talk about, you know, learning a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, big, huge community. And um, I really have a lot of respect for people that do operations and skilled nursing. Oh, because my goodness. The, it's, it's so different. It's mm-hmm. very tough. Um, you know, the people that are in the community are very sick most times. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's, frail. I would say frail. That frail is probably more appropriate than sick. Yeah, yeah. They require so much more nursing care it really do they, yeah yeah and it's it but it's a tough uh it's very regulated mm-hmm. um even that you know the therapy part the pharmacy part i mean mm-hmm. it, it is such an orchestra mm-hmm. to make work and the people that do it well and provide good care like i really applaud them because it's, 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 it's very tough it's very tough it's very tough um so you know we you know we had to part ways with the dayton property which mm-hmm. was like oh, oh painful i cried yeah i think we even tried to back out of it we did and it was really tough. I mean, that was um, like professionally one of the absolute hardest things, mm-hmm. you know, that we'd done. Um, and then, you know, we picked up um, the community in West Dallas, which is right side of Milwaukee, one out in Peoria. And then we bought, Bil- Bal- oh, we forgot, Baltimore. Baltimore. We bought Baltimore before that. Yeah, it was around the same time, the same I think. Time, yeah. And then add another uh, community out in uh, basically Phoenix. Yeah. And um, that was the like when we added Baltimore and West Alice up until that point, everything we did, we drove like I never mm-hmm. flew. I, I mean, rarely did I ever fly anywhere. Mm-hmm. Drove everywhere. I drove up to Skokie basically once a month mm-hmm. um, to work with the back office that mm-hmm. was running our stuff. And but not until then, I, I really drove everywhere and mm-hmm. I was oh, all the time. And I would, you know, drive to Richmond, spend a whole day and drive back was mm-hmm. you know, like two, three hours or whatever. But I remember when we added those other ones and I started flying more, 
that I was like, okay, this is actually pretty difficult to it, do. Yeah, it was hard. Um, and that's when we, you know, we started kind of adding some more team, mm-hmm. right? You know, you had mentioned we brought Debbie on to mm-hmm. help kind of, she be, basically became the driver and I became the flyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was when I think we realized that we could have maybe a bigger footprint. I think mm-hmm. we thought, um, you know, our original plan, like if you went back and looked at our original business plan, it was just to be in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And then like Indiana happened. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe we can do this other mm-hmm. other states. So for people that are listening that are curious about, you know, affordable options in different states, Indiana's great. Um, Ohio's pretty solid. Uh, Wisconsin's, Wisconsin's really great. Florida's great. Florida's really um, good. South Carolina's got a plan. Um, it's not great, but there is an option. Mm-hmm. Arizona actually has a pretty nice one. Mm-hmm. Um, Maryland has one, but it's complicated. It's pretty, yeah, it's not very good. It's complicated. Um, uh, Virginia's got a really nice pace program. They do. Um, out west, you know, when you talk about like California has one. Oregon's got a phenomenal Oregon has a great one. one. Um, Oregon, Oregon, I think that between them and Wisconsin, they kind of set the bar for how to yeah. do it. it and, and for everyone also too that's listening, you know, one of the complicated misunderstandings is that everybody thinks Medicare is going to pay for your long term care, and it, it does not. Um, Medicare and Medicaid are two very different things. Um, Medicare you pay into. It's just like an insurance, just like you, you, you know, you get. Um, and Medicaid is completely driven by age and financial need. So, you know, when I sit next to somebody in an airplane and somebody asks me what, what I do, I always talk about getting long-term care insurance for their parents, especially if they're younger. Because the earlier that you get it and pay for it, the, the cheaper that it is. Yeah. And then you can use that just like private pay dollars and you can, you can, they can live wherever they want. Yeah. So I think it's a real misconception that every state also has this option because they don't. And, you know, it's something I would say when you're talking to your representatives and you're talking to your legislators, like make sure you bring up that you need to have something in your state that allows you to have that option for a waiver so that you can decide where you live when you need the type of care. Pennsylvania is currently looking at bringing in a program and, and I'm on the uh, Pennsylvania assisted living association board and that has come up every time that we meet and um, we're hoping in the next couple of years will be available. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of wrap up um, this part of the episode, you know, uh, at, at, at this point, you know, we have, grown in size but really kept the same core nucleus of me and you mom brandy my wife jill Mm -hmm. um we did have a couple other team members um you know that were like kind of doing billing Mm -hmm. and you know debbie was helping with operations um on our uh, and and we we ran basically that platform for approximately six years Mm -hmm. all right yeah yeah so um, on our next episode, you know, we'll kind of talk about um, w- how we got to kind of where we're at today because we went from one platform to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but l- I'd like to end the episode with I'd like to hear who you'd, you'd like to have on the podcast um, and then I'll tell you who I'd like to have. So, okay. you first. so I would love to interview our core team like, you know, and, and that includes like even Yvonne because Yvonne was such a integral part of like the change from yeah Yeah. oh my gosh she has a great story um i'd love to have her on i'd love to have you know like mom brandy jill tell their side of you know seeing the story um am i talking about just like general people too yeah like i'd love to anybody so i'd love to have some of our alive alive okay all right fair so i'd love to have some of our administrators on yeah um i'd love to have some of our caregivers that have been with us um a while, like from some of the different areas, I'd love to hear from some of our residents, mm-hmm. um, some of our family members, mm-hmm. especially talking um, specifically about how they navigated on deciding where and how they chose their place, and also like how they dealt with it from a financial perspective. Yeah. Because I think like it's one thing for us as a professional to try to help people figure it out, but I think it would be really helpful for our, our audience listeners to hear it directly from somebody. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I would love to have, I'd love to have Jake, Gale and Ben on cause I'd love for them to tell their story about how they started blueprint. Yeah. Cause especially since it was around it's the same time, cool. those would probably be my first. I know for me outside of, uh, our PLC, I'd love Scott Stewart. Yes. Oh, we have to have Stu on. Um, I'd love to have Jason and Alan Zakari. Yes. Family business. Family business. Um, 
Rocky would be another great person. Absolutely. He started at the community level. He's an awesome operator. Yeah. Um, and then I, my, my goal, cause I travel all the time, uh, is to make, a a mobile podcast so I can interview and talk to people at the communities, um, as you had mentioned, you mm-hmm. know, kind of caregivers, um, our real line staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've met just some phenomenal family members. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oh my gosh. I, there's a, um, uh, the mother of a resident, uh, we have a resident in Fort Wayne younger than me, um, was in a car accident, tra- tra- traumatic brain injury, Jimmy. He's just, he'll just light up your day. I love him. And his mom comes in and sees him all the time. And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't know why, but like, I just, I just, she's just such a kind soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I just randomly sent her a gift card last year. Um, just to thank her. Cause she's just like the ideal, like when you think of, um, if you had an accident, mm-hmm. like how you, um, as a parent would want to like take care of your kid and it, it's, it's, they just have a really special bond. Aww. So, um, but people like that, like, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, obviously Lucas McCurdy. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, you know, absolutely. Like, we have know, to have him. probably maybe our first guest. Yes. So, but, uh, this is fun and you know, you and I talk all the time. Um, <laughs> and so I've been talking about like, you know, us doing this podcast and kind of doing some more stuff. Um, because, you know, as Lucas would say, we are disruptors Mm -hmm. in the industry. We're doing something uh, very different. And, um, you know, we have, uh, like I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like we're a reverse family business. Mm -hmm. We grew up on the low end and middle class, very blue collar. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we didn't, you know, we're not a, we're not a second generation family business, you know, we're first generation. And, and, um, I, my, obviously I think part of our big dream is that our, our kids want to participate, mm-hmm. you know, in this and, 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 and take it to the next level. So, mm-hmm. uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, this is our first go at it. So we'd love to hear any questions and comments, maybe concerns. Um, <laughs> if you could, or topics, yeah, topics. topics that we can cover from an operator perspective. Yep. And then if anybody actually listens to the very end, uh, if you could guess who's older between Sebi and I, that would be wonderful. Wow. This is the, by the way, anytime we go into a new building, <laughs> it depends on who gets to to the, to meet with the um, the staff first. But this is the very first thing that we say that whenever Bobby comes in or I come in, who's the oldest? And we'll make sure we post a picture so you get it really accurate. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thanks.